The Therapy is a Christian podcast is all things mental health and Christ. We specifically talk about how mental health and God are merged together to foster growth, healing, and making mental health a normal conversation. I'm your host, Roz and Renee, and welcome to the show. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Therapy is a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Rosalind Renee. Welcome to another episode of the show. Welcome to another interview. And I am really excited about this interview in that I am going to be interviewing one of my sisters. Okay. Okay, y'all get real excited about this. So I'm going to be interviewing my sis, Elisha. I'm super excited about this because, girl, she got a lot to say. I already know. And so I'm going to tell y'all briefly, I met Elisha at the Find Your Voice Academy retreat last year in November um, 2019. Yeah, 2019. Girl, it's been almost a year. I cannot believe that. And she has become near and dear to my heart. She is one of my spiritual sisters, my mommy's sisters, my married life sister, all of them sisters, girl, everything you could think of. And we are going to be having a conversation about her today. And I'm really, really excited. So let's just say, girl. Hey, boo. Thank you for having me. So, Elisha not only is a mom, she is a fiance, she is a podcaster, she's also a coach, which I'm going to let her talk about that in a minute. But Elisha, why don't you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and what you do? All right. Thank you for having me again. Um, As she said, I am Elisha Mason. I'm the host of the My Sisters Glow podcast. Um, and my, my podcast focuses on creating a safe space for uh, mothers to create um, growth as, as moms, as sisters, as women, whatever. It's just our time to let down our hair and talk about any and everything from food to faith <laughs> on the podcast. Um, aside from that, um, I am newly engaged fiance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have two little girls. Um, I'm in grad school at the moment pursuing my master's degree in mental health counseling. And I also am a trauma to treasures coach. And I did give myself that title because I really work with women to um, address, not only address their trauma, but come up with a realistic and strategic plan to move towards living their best life, whatever that means for them. So, yeah, I think yes. Yeah. <laughs> come on, treasure. Come on, what trauma to treasures? That's that's fancy, yeah. sis. Thank you. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so I love your story about um single being a single mom because that was when I met you. I think you were dating Vern at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Y'all yeah. were dating, uh-huh. But for a while you were a single mom. And so I have no lens in being able to talk about what it's like. <laughs> to be a single mom, especially mm-hmm. of two beautiful girls. What are your ages again? What are the ages of Chrissy and? They are ages three and nine. Yeah, so three and nine, single mom. Mm-hmm. You and Vern dated for about two years before y'all got married, got engaged? Yeah, a little, little under two years. Yeah, so pretty much you've been, as long as the oldest has been alive, a single parent, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so tell us a little bit about your single mom experience to being recently engaged and like what was that experience like? We'll talk about some of the challenges, of course, but talk about that for some people. 
Okay, so um, obviously single motherhood, just like motherhood for anybody else, um, it has its highs, it has its lows. There were times where I looked at my children like, oh, I love y'all so much. There were times where I looked at my children like, y'all want to go back to Jesus because I can't. <laughs> you know, so um, overall, my, my single mom experience um, has been about balance because I've always had a, a plate full of things, whether it was just taking care of me, taking care of the needs of my children, the unexpected things that pop up in motherhood, um, making sure that, you know, I had food on the table for them, a roof over our heads, um, pursuing a degree while having kids. They're in extracurricular activities. Like my daughters are cheerleaders. Um, so my journey as being a single mom has just been always about balance, balance and execution. I feel like that would be my, (laughs) would be two things that I took away from it. First of all, the fact that you was doing all this while you in grad school (laughs) and during extracurricular activities all by yourself, Girl, I'm finna hand like hand off the crown to you because I'm gonna tell you my little itty bitty spiel of what I do. I be thinking I'm stressed and I'm just not, just not. Okay, <laughs> clearly. Okay, so tell us a little bit about some of the challenges you faced mentally as a single mom, because that's kind of like one of the biggest things. Um, not only having to take care of your kids financially and all those things, but the mental strain that it sometimes comes with. So what were some of the challenges you faced with that? I think my biggest thing as from a single mom perspective was just like that it was always going to be this constant state of crisis. Um, As a single mom, I was in, I was always in survival mode. So even when there were small victories, looking back I didn't really celebrate them because I'm getting ready for the next crisis that's going to probably come up um I dealt with a lot of guilt uh I felt really guilty that I was raising my daughters in a single mom household because I felt that they deserved a father in the home and I wasn't able to give them that so I felt really guilty about that um I felt like I wasn't giving them enough I felt like I wasn't enough just a constant, really a lot of self-doubt I had. Um, it was hard mentally. Yeah. Like when I'm thinking about it, it was really hard. There were some days, specifically when my baby girl was born, I'm pretty sure that I had postpartum depression, but I went undiagnosed because you know you go in the doctor's office. Well, you ain't had your baby yet, but <laughs> when you go into the doctor's office, they ask you these checklist of questions like do you want to kill yourself do you want to kill your children you want to harm yourself you want to harm your children and if the answer is no oh you okay and I was not okay um I think the only reason why I did get help is because I reached out for help myself so Mm -hmm. dealing with um depression and anxiety was really um it made me feel like I was like in a mental prison constantly yeah so, okay, so talk about what did that, what did, what did um, postpartum depression look like? Like, what did that practically look like on a day-to-day basis? So you had your oldest daughter at the time. How old was the oldest one when your youngest was born? Um, she was five going on six. So five going on six, and then you mm-hmm. had a newborn. Uh, what did that look like? On the outside looking in, it really looked like I had it all together. So to give you a timeline, 
My baby girl was born April 2017, May 2017. I got my own place and I graduated with my bachelor's degree. So, and I still I had a job. I mean, I was on maternity leave. So I think people on the outside looking in, I was doing really good as a single mom. I wasn't dependent on the state to survive at that time. I wasn't dependent on family members to survive financially. Um, so I looked like I had it together, but day to day, I literally, it's almost like the days ran together. I wasn't really, if I'm being very frank, there were some days I didn't shower because it was just too much to get out of bed and take care of myself. I still did show up for my kids. I made sure that, you know, they had everything that they needed, but I stopped taking care of myself. I stopped. I like to think I'm a funny person. So at this time I was not laughing. Um, I didn't want anybody around and I would just lay in my room. I would just lay in, like literally lay in my bed and cry. I had no desire to be around other people. I didn't even want to go outside at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what made you want to seek out help? Um, one night my baby girl was up screaming. It was like three o'clock in the morning and I felt, I literally felt so out of control I just I laid her in her crib and I laid beside her crib and I cried like she was in the crib crying I was in the floor crying and my oldest daughter came in and you know she was saying mommy is like she's comforting me at five like mommy it's gonna be okay you're doing the best that you can so then I'm like getting hit with the guilt of you breaking down in front of your kids like what are you doing so um that's when i decided to say something to my mom who's a therapist and my best friend who works at um labor and delivery at the hospital where we um live i said something to them i was like i'm not okay i don't like how i feel when i'm alone with my children i don't feel like i'm in control so then they started doing stuff like almost taking shifts at my house so somebody was there to um my daughter was breastfed so somebody was there to burp her after I nursed her. Um, somebody was there to make sure we ate breakfast. Somebody came and vacuumed my floor. It was just something that they were taking things off of my lap for me. And there was always somebody present in the house, whether it was a family member or a um, a friend. And they would be there just a couple hours at a time. They, they became really um, involved in that postpartum period for me. Was it hard for you to reach out to ask for help? Like, was that a thing of, I won't say pride, but also just like a thing of, I don't want people to see me struggling. Like, was that part of the reason why there was like not a really a thing to ask for help? Or was it just, you didn't know until you got to a point of like breakdown? I think it took me to get to the point of breakdown because i I feel like it was expected of me to have it together. Like you're a mom, you show up. Doesn't matter if like the world is crumbling, you show up regardless. I don't care if you got to do it one eyelash on, you show up. So I, um, I don't, I think it took me so long because I didn't realize I was breaking down until I had completely broken down. Yeah. But when I got to that point, it wasn't hard for me to ask help because again, my mom is a therapist. So I grew up basically with this talk about your feelings talk about you know what you're worried about and then as far as as my best friend she um worked in labor and delivery so it was really easy to have a conversation with her yeah so for me i i think that i i was very blessed to have the people that i had around me but i totally understand that 
some of my friends didn't have that same experience. Yep. And you brought up a really good point. I think you said, you said, I'm a mom, so I have to show up. Mm-hmm. And so it's like this identity thing of, I have to have it together or these high expectations that moms put on themselves. I'm not there fully yet, but I can even imagine as a pregnant person, mm-hmm. like these high expectations I'm already thinking about that I have to constantly check and say, girl, calm down. And so it's a shift mentally that occurs out of wanting to give your best to your kids. So how did you like work through like kind of even the identity crisis a little bit? Well, I would definitely say this was actually one of the things that inspired me to be a trauma to chargers coach because my, even my motherhood and how I was raising my children was rooted out of my own trauma. So what was happening with me was I saw certain things when I was growing up from my parents, from my grandparents. So I instantly became, my children ain't going to have to worry about that. My children will never see that. My children would, and that could be a good thing, right? If it's coming from a healthy place. But when I'm literally thriving off of racing against, oh, this can't happen to my kids. My kids can't, you know. I'm going to give my kids everything they want because they're not going to know what it feels like to not be able to have something. Or I'm going to be at every uh, cheer practice, at, at, at every school spelling bee or whatever you want to call it, because they're not going to know what it feels like to, you know, their mom to have to work overtime or anything. So I was really parenting them out of a place of my own brokenness versus just parent, parenting them the best way that I, Elisha, could parent them. So. <laughs> that ran out. I mean, they're only three and nine, so that ran out real quick. So now what I do is, is um, I went and I got therapy. That was the biggest thing because I did want to be a healthy mother for my children. And now I don't, I mean, obviously I'm a mom, but I just, I'm God's daughter. So when I fall short, I'm a, I'm like, listen, I don't got to show up because he's going to show up. Look, OG, like, I need like, you know what I'm okay. Okay, because listen, moms need sick days. Okay, and so I just started giving myself grace because I was like, I physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally cannot tax myself so much now that by the time my children become preteens or even before then, I'm just completely burnt out. And it's you know, if you look at motherhood as a job like you would a, a nine to five, when you're feeling burnt out, you're supposed to rest. I do the same thing with my motherhood now. That's good. Oh, that's good. Okay. So talk about now, like as a single mom, single moms have to co-parent. That's a, <laughs> that's a real fancy word, but the person that you had the baby with, you mm-hmm. have to come, beside, come along beside them baby and parent the child. So talk about your experience with co-parenting. And just kind of how you stay encouraged throughout that process. Well, you know, Roz, I've <laughs> always been saved, okay? And <laughs> Say what you need to sis. God is just, he's working on his daughter, you know, he really is. I will say as of today, recording this uh, podcast, that um, God has definitely given me a sense of grace and mercy to be able to embark on this co-parenting relationship 
it's come a long way. I will say that initially after the breakup, just to take you on a timeline, initially after the breakup. Um, okay, so, when did you, so y'all were together. You have two kids together and y'all broke up when? Uh, January 2018. So okay. we were together almost nine years. Okay. Like, okay. like fresh out of high school. Okay. Um, so initially, even though we broke up, um, he was still showing up for the kids. He was still doing his part. It was real cool, but he found somebody else and things started to shift. And, um, that's when we ran into trouble because when I would start to speak up about, man, what you doing? I need your help with this. I need your help with that or whatever. He felt like I was coming from a place of, oh, you just mad because I don't want you no more. You just mad because, and I'm like, bruh, the breakup was mutual. It, it ain't even that type of energy. Honestly, I'm praying for sis. At the time, that's how I felt about it. <laughs> Girl, <laughs> let me call you. I saw, and this is probably, this is no shade to your baby daddy. Can I call him baby daddy? This that's is what he is, that's fine. Okay. I saw this video on Instagram and I had to laugh because it's so true because I really had to think about it. But this girl was like, have you ever just walked around and looked in the mirror at yourself and said, someone is with my ex and they they really found their prince. You'd be like, girl, because when I think of my ex, my ex, I feel like, thank you, sis, because I dodged 50 bullets. A A bullet, you know, a stay somewhere at a psychiatric hospital, you know what I'm saying? Like, listen, okay. So I when you said that I thought of that. (laughs) Because really, like I was like, bruh, first of all. And because at during this break, because we had many breakups, that's the whole thing. But after that January 2018 breakup, I was so focused on me that I was like, I really don't even like, nah, I don't even like you. I'm actually quite upset with myself that I know I did what I did to get my kids, but that's a whole nother podcast episode. But (laughs) But yeah, so just, just the, the encouragement, because especially with, you know, some people, it takes a while to be able to co-parent effectively. Some people, it takes them no time. Um, And so with that though, like, how do you stay balanced and engaged? Also, while like managing your own identity, still being a mom, but also like having to understand the actions of another person that impact your children, um, their presence in your in your kid's life, and that being impacted if that is a thing, because it, it may or may not be a thing for you specifically, but just in general, people. And so, how that overall because that's a lot that's mentally just a lot to take on and because you think about your kids future and like how they react to it especially having had being someone that knows about trauma and knows about how those things impact us long term like how do you just kind of mentally deal with that well first and again not to be all like preachy or whatever but like the spiritual side of it like really had to like give that over to god and so i prayed for for me first and my first i feel like a strategic prayer that i prayed was for god to release the soul tie between him and i Mm. i was with that man for so long i had his children and it's like we were so literally our souls were tangled into one another that it had got to the point that like even after the breakup I would be like, 
something's wrong and it literally would be something wrong like if we were to talk later that day or a couple of days after or something it's like i would literally feel and know when something was going on wrong with him and i'm like okay god that's deep we don't need none of that okay like so i asked god for the deliverance of that soul tie and then practically what that looked like is just setting boundaries i had to learn that he is not my baby daddy he's not my ex but he's god's son Mm-hmm. And you looking at him as God's son, Jesus' brother, made me want to, like, not choke him as much. You know what I'm saying? Because I was able to look at him as a person. <laughs> Real talk. Listen, like, I want to choke you, but I, I can't choke you because, you know. Are you related to Jesus? I'm going to just chill off of you. Like, that's how I look at it. To this day. To this day. I ain't going to even turn up because you related to Jesus or whatever. So I'm going to chill on you. But that's, oh. but that's a good thing because what that does is that releases you from feeling like you have to be in control of a whole nother person and right. gives you the one up to like treat him, mm-hmm. you know, not off the chain. Like, you know, we normally would like to do, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause you know, that mm-hmm. ratchet side just jumps up sometimes. You know, the ratchet side, it, 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 it shows itself up in like the time where you're trying to be cordial like it comes out of nowhere like a jack-in-the-box or you know when a car swerves next to you like what you doing like what are you doing ratchet side i need you to calm down okay so (laughs) so, okay so let's switch gears and talk about now this engagement that you have recently embarked on so you so ended up um dating your now fiance mm-hmm. so talk about what when did you decide that you were going to start seeking god about your future husband because even as a single mom coming out of a breakup mm-hmm. there's this sometimes this like you said guilt where we feel like or i don't even know like what was your mentality as finding a new partner like what was that like for you um by the time me and my ex had broke up i just knew i was like I, that guilt of like because truth be told even when we was together I was the single mom okay uh but by the time we broke up I was just like you know me staying with you somebody gonna be in debt end up dead and somebody gonna be in jail and these, that's not good for our kids so that's how we came to the mutual understanding that like no this is not the girls cannot grow up seeing this so when we broke up um literally I started praying a, to God about my future marriage, my future husband, like literally as soon as we broke up, because I knew that, you know, this was ending, but I was like, I know that my future is not ending here. So I'm going to go ahead and get ready for it. And so that's when I started preparing, like literally right after the breakup. Mm -hmm. And so when you're now fiance came into your life, like what was that, what was that adjustment like for you? Oh, such a huge adjustment because um so it's so crazy because like i really prayed and asked god for specific things and like when you get it it's like is this for real like you know i was really like suspicious because i wanted someone who was funny who was honest who was affectionate who was understanding um you know who understood my relationship with god and respected that and wasn't going to try to pull me away from that and so like when i got that i was just like Jesus, you sure this ain't a counterfeit? Because I don't know. It all checks out, but I don't know. Because they ratchet down here. You know? 
Yeah, I was the same way with Nico though. I was suspicious of him the, like mm-hmm. practically the whole time we dated because I just was like, this man's stupid to be true. Like I don't. Yeah. And then I would understand. Then I would question like, why are you with me? I'm a little bit off the chain. Like, do, you, do you not know? I put him through the ringer. Sometimes I look back and I'm like, I don't know how he survived. I literally don't, don't know how he made it through some of the things that we went through when we dated. I don't know. Yeah, same. Like literally same because for me, it was an adjustment because I had to realize that um, when we started dating, I was, I would date the same way that I would my ex because that was all I knew. You know what I mean? Like you figure I'm 30 now fresh out of high school it was all it was my ex and when we wasn't together or whatever you know you have entanglements in between amen. you just tell the truth well i can't say um, amen to entanglements but yes i know i understand <laughs> situationships situationships um so i didn't really know what it i really had no idea what it was like to date intentionally like mm. you know out here just winging it like you know so i would i carried him the way that i carried my ex and um, a couple of that guys that I may have like dated in between with me and my ex was like on and off and um, harsh reality came real quick. They're like, nah, that ain't gonna work here. Mm. Like this ain't nothing you ever been had before. So you can't act the same way. So for me, it was a big adjustment of um, yeah, get yourself together. Cause yeah. I wasn't, I prayed for it, but I really even still wasn't fully ready for it. Yes, girl. And you and 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 that's a big thing because I think that we just fantasize about this fantasy of being with somebody, this idea of being with somebody, but relationships are work. Relationships yeah. take communication. They mm-hmm. take selflessness. They take having having to deal with another person but also that person dealing with us and everything we carry mm-hmm. and so I think that was like one of the driving forces for me when I went to counseling when me and Nico got engaged because I saw if I don't do this before we get married it's gonna be not that great and I didn't have any type of like healing beforehand and so you know with that I think that that you bring up a valid point of like I pray for this but I don't think I was fully prepared of how I perceived the blessing. Yeah. Perceiving the blessing in a negative light can, you know, really impact the way you view it and treat it. Yeah. I feel like I prayed one thing about myself because I was so busy. Like, all right, God, when you send him, I want him to be this, 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 and that. But it never occurred to me that, like, since you got some little residue on you from your past, so you might want to, you know, check into that. The only thing that I did pray continuously during that time was um, that, you know, God delivered me from the soul tie, but that I wouldn't go back and pick it up. Cause I feel like we as people have a really bad habit of laying stuff down and then running right back and going to get it. So, and I also pray um, for God to help me to be open for the love that he had for me. And for me and my situation, that was very vital because by looks and on paper, Vern was not quote unquote my type. You know, I had a type. Boom, boom, boom. And my type always broke my heart, but that's what I was attracted to. So Vern being like complete opposite of that, you know, I was like, okay, ram in the bush. Like I didn't even see you coming. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, like when I dated Nico, I did, I wasn't into like big guys. He was, tall. He was like chunky. And I was like looking at him like, 
I don't like thick men, you know. Me too. I like. I mean, I like you know. I like tall guys, but I don't really know if I like thick. And then now I'm like, I could never date a skinny man if I ever tried. Because it gets cold. Okay. <laughs> Girl, you be needing something just to hold on to. You know what I'm saying? That's so crazy. How like because it was the same thing. My type before my now fiance, it was just like I like tall, dark skinned men. I didn't like a whole lot of facial hair. Y'all, Vern is, I mean, he's taller than me, but I'm not very tall, so it's not harder to be taller than me. But I think he's like maybe six foot, maybe six one. He's got like a football body build to him, a um, little bit of a dead gut going on, and like a bald head and a big beard, which was like not my type before. So when we first started, like, I guess dating or talking, I was like, oh, he he cool, he the homie, because we went to high school together, but I never paid him any any mind at all. So, like, even when he was, like, coming at me, I could tell he was flirting, but I'm going to be truthful. I was just like, well, listen, ain't nothing wrong with getting a free dinner, you know? <laughs> and, girl, I can't say amen to that, but, yes. <laughs> I fell in love, so I don't know. <laughs> it just it just happened. I Like, for me and Nico, we went to lunch. And he was like, let's just go to lunch one day. It wasn't in, it wasn't even on any type of like I want to talk to you. It was just like, let's go kick it. And Brian like, told me straight up, like, I want to take you out on a date. But he said this to me like three weeks before we went. And it was so even in that, like looking back, I gotta thank God for that because he was very intentional. He was very much a gentleman. And I was so used to some like really slick dudes. Like, yes. And y'all pay attention, pay attention to that. I say that, you know, to y'all, to the listeners, because I think. We don't, we think, we think that these guys that do that are jokes, but that's really the way that we should be treated. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be this sweep you off your feet thing. It's one thing that really always stuck with me when I was dating Nico, Nico was the way he treated me Uh because I always wanted to self-sabotage, but I I don't think I need to be with him anymore. But, um, and I never really talked about my dating story which I probably won't start, but in saying that to say, <laughs> in saying that to say, like, I always looked at the way he treated me and the way he treated me was so good that all of my insecurities about what I thought basically were like null and void because I always could say he treated me so well and still yeah. does to this day. And I always say to people now, God gave me what I needed because when you date somebody, cause we've dated since we were, we were 22. He's, 31 I'm 30 so mm-hmm. we dated for so almost 10 years ago nine eight or nine years ago and who we were then is not who we are now but God gave me what I needed to grow with because when you get married yeah. you're not going to be the same people at 30 that you're going to be at 40 you're not going to be the same person that you are at 30 at 35 and so you need somebody that you can grow with, but you got to look at how they treat you versus this fantasy of the idea because it is work. It is beautiful, but it is work. It's right. Work. For sure. So, yeah. So, okay, let's kind of talk through a little bit more about your therapy experience. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about what made you seek counseling. So, um, like I was saying, initially I reached out for um, help because I um, was experiencing the postpartum um, depression. Um, but even then, if I remember correctly, it's not with my therapist that I have now. Um, I want to say it was, I cannot, it is escaping me, but it was like a program where like the nurses, 
actually come out to your home and they check check on you. Um, I think she actually was a nurse, but um, she had like the resources and skills to be able to help me through that. Um, but I believe the breakup is what made me go seek counseling. And that's I think that's the thing that because I've been with her for almost a little over two years. I believe she's the one that kind of trickled me over the breakup is what trickled me to go and seek a therapist. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there was some, because I, I think that I thought that when we broke up, everything in my life was going to be fixed. And when that didn't happen that way, I was like, Hmm, like <laughs> I need some, maybe I need some little assistance cleaning this, this mess up. So I, the breakup is what definitely said you need to go get some help. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about like what trauma did you discover throughout the process? Oh my gosh. Like, (laughs) because I'm just thinking like, you know, this stuff that even still two years later, it's not as much, but like, you'd be like, what was under that rock in my life? But for me, the trauma of, um, my childhood. So I didn't have a secure relationship with my biological father when I was growing up. And um, I'm transparent about this because my parents are very transparent. My stepfather and my mom had a really rough marriage the first five years of the marriage, which is when I was a teenager. So I saw a lot of mess. And um, when we started kind of picking apart at this almost nine-year relationship, and I'm seeing like traits of my father, traits of my mom and and stepdad's relationship um I was just like I worked so hard to not be like these people and here I am like so much of them is really entangled into me that like so when I had to like unweave that stuff and I started seeing like generational patterns in my family I was just so shocked I guess because I'm like I had no idea because I thought that I was the one that had it all together honestly girl girl (laughs) and we think that until it like I think it didn't hit me till mid twenties. And I was like, Oh yeah, I'm not anything like, you know, my mama, I'm not nothing like my dad. I'm going to school, you know, I'm getting a master's degree, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But girl, when you are in situations where for me, it was depression and anxiety. It was like, I found myself when any, something would happen I would just isolate. And I'm like, where is this isolation coming from? Like off the grid, just would not talk to friends for weeks. And mm-hmm. my friend's like, what's wrong with you? Where do you go? I don't want to talk to y'all. And don't know why. Mm-hmm. And and not knowing like under all of that was a lot of rejection, a yeah. lot of unforgiveness and resentment towards my father. I had poor, poor, poor boundaries. Poor yeah. boundaries because of like a lot of emotional entanglement with my mom in the sense of me being like the child that was witnessing all of the stuff that happened with her and my dad that I became her emotional support so I had a lot of poor boundaries when it came to um emotional capacity and you don't realize that when you're in it until you have to address it and so like with that though having to now like see yourself how was it for you to work through that? So it was really, I really wanted to not go back. Cause I'm like, I'll be daggone if I'm about to, first of all, I didn't even start this. Like, so you want me to come in here and clean it up? Um, Ooh, and- baby, stop. Pause right there. 
talk about that resentment because that is something I don't really go into as often. Mm -hmm. But like when people talk about us being the ones to break general generational curses, yeah, we are the ones that literally change the game for our kids. Yeah, we don't talk about the feeling and the resentment and the angst and why we have to be the ones, quote unquote. Uh-huh. to go and dig up everything that happened like yeah. talk about that it was, I was really angry because I just felt like y'all the parents like granted I'm grown at this point but like this was y'all responsibility like now yeah like I feel like I, I was already going to have my own to-do list for my me and my own kids but because y'all didn't do the work because y'all put so much on me like I ain't asked for this I was born into some stuff you know what I mean like they just sent me down from heaven. I showed up in all this mess and y'all was y'all didn't get it right for me. So why should I now have to cry? Why should I now have to cycle over this? And that's a whole nother thing because I don't know why as being in a mental health program, I thought that I was going to go to one session and feel better, but girl, no. So I just was like, why? Like why I got to pay this copay for some stuff y'all did? Like, y'all need to go to therapy like that's y'all fault I was upset I was pissed to be honest yeah because it's just it, it it's and then now I think about you know conversations I've had with my mom and she comes to the understanding of like oh wow yeah that was impactful and I'm like yes yeah. it was and it and it becomes a thing I had to learn compassion through the process because I was so like frustrated with and and one of the biggest things especially for me and just talking about my own personal experience with my father was it was always put on me to be the one to fix the situation and so it was like I'm the kid though Mm -hmm. I'm the child he don't make an effort so why am I trying to why am I being told most of my teenage young adult life you need to put forth the effort to build a relationship you need to put forth the effort to build a relationship and i'm thinking okay god just forget like help me to have just forgiveness towards him yeah but not understanding like that narrative of it's my responsibility to build a relationship when you're not it built over time to i don't like you like why why do i have to do this and so the compassion piece was challenging I mean, yeah, I would say, can, just to add to that, first of all, did we have the same childhood or what? But also, <laughs> I felt like because I had to do the same thing with my father, that gave me really poor expectations of what a relationship should look like. So for that previous relationship we were talking about earlier, because I was constantly the one working for a relationship, that's what it looked like in my romantic relationship. Like, he was not putting the effort in at all. But here's me, look, what's my job? I got to make it work. I got it. You know, he's giving like 0% and I'm putting everything in. That gave me really poor expectations of what relationships should look like. And I don't know who listening to this or who will hear this, but I'm going to say this right now. But I tell you, and it's so cliche when they say like you go looking for love in all the wrong places, but I so badly wanted to run from everything that my biological father was. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna hold your braids down, Ross, because I'm going to blow you away. So far that, like, I really, when I say I literally ran back to my father in my baby dad form, my 
baby dad and my biological father have the same name. They are both one of eight children. Both of their fathers left them. You know what I'm saying? Both of them had um, dealings with substances, you know, different substances. I'm just going to leave it at that. And so they both had abandonment issues. Um, they both had a lot of broken, like a very similar issues on mental and spiritual levels. And my whole thing was, oh no, baby dad was so different because he would never do this. He would never do that. But once that trauma start percolating up in there, <laughs> you know, I started to see my father. And it's like when I, we had got at this point, it's like two kids in, I'm like, bruh, who ordered this? Like, I did not, this is not what I wanted. But that's what I'm saying. It's the same thing with my parenting. And I said it earlier, when you so busy focusing from a place out of trauma, I'm not going to be this. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to find nobody like that person. You end up spiraling yourself into that very same situation you don't want to be in. And it's because that that trauma is still there. It's almost like a magnetic pull or something. It's like you go in that same crazy direction. Girl. Listen, I felt that in my heart, y'all. <laughs> listen to me. So, baby, you said a mouthful. <laughs> because I think that, and 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 my husband and Nico are one hundred percent different. <laughs> like, that's why I couldn't recognize or understand yeah. how he was treating me so well. Because I was like, I'm not used to seeing this. I'm used to people. I'm used to. <clears throat> When we first got married, I'm used to, when I get mad, I don't talk to you. Like, mm-hmm. my dad would literally not talk to my mom for weeks. And I would see them pass each other in the house and not say nothing to each other. And then when I got older, my mom would tell me, like, some of the things he would do to, like, get her to talk, get him, get her to talk to him. But she would have to be the one to, like, say something first. Mm-hmm. I would just be like, who does that? Yeah. In my marriage, I'm thinking, if I'm mad at you, I'm not going to talk to you. And that only went for so long because Nico's like in my face, like, we're not going to go in this house. We're not going to be in the house and not talk to each other. And I'm like, why do you want to talk? Why? I used to get mad at him at Elisha when when we would have an issue. And I would say, I don't want to talk about it right now. He's like, why? Why don't you want to talk about it right now? Clearly there's a problem and we need to fix it and move on. And I'm like, who, who, why do you want to talk to me? Like, can we just revisit this another time? And he's like, no. So now when we have disagreements, it's very rare that we'll go. It's very rare that we'll go a long time without talking about it. Gotcha. So, and with that, so I just didn't, I didn't understand the Elisha. I was just like, I don't understand this type of person. Yeah. It's, 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 so you're right. When you approach a lot of stuff with trauma and it's unaddressed. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. And talk about that. Like we have to become okay with addressing trauma. Yeah. Like, we cannot continue to feel like it's something that we have to run from. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, first of all, I think you, you just like hit the nail on the head because it's like, um, you're addressing trauma. Like it's something that disrupted your life at one point. It's something that was really uncomfortable, but honestly, it's okay. Like, I know that's super cliche, but it's like, what's the alternative? Like, do you deal with it now or do you let it sit in you like a cancer? Think of you. 
thank you, Jesus, for that example. Think of it like if you were diagnosed with cancer right now, or as a matter of fact, we in a pandemic, COVID. Let's you get some COVID symptoms. You run into WebMD and Google, and you go into Walgreens or whatever store you go into to make sure you have everything to treat yourself um, well, you're going to take care of it. But you will allow that trauma to sit inside of your body for years and decades, like a cancer, like a virus, eating away at you. And it might not come out in a sense of like, um, it may, you may not see it all the time the same way you would see symptoms if you had like COVID or if you were sick or something. But it shows up because now you're missing opportunities. You're missing relationships. You're missing opportunities to grow because you can't get promoted on your job because you're defensive. You losing clients in your business because you don't know how to be consistent. You know what I mean? You missing out on good relationships. Every man says, Sis, sis, I'm assuming you got mostly women that listen to your podcast. Sis. I do, yes. Sis, if you're like every man that you come across, even if he is not the one that God has for you, every man is not the problem. Ooh, 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 ooh. Girl, say that in love. I say that. Girl, because I, I used to be the queen of saying, Me too. He got the issue. It ain't me, it's him. It ain't me. It's he did this, 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 and folks will look at me like, "Girl, if you don't hush." <laughs> yeah, easy to point it out, you know. But it's yeah. like, what's the alternative? You know, yeah. we talked about that in the um the webinar, or whatever that we did, the the wife life webinar. It's like, what? It's truly life or death at this point. So you either let this trauma sit at you, and for the mothers listening to this, think of it this way: like if you had a cold or if you had a cut on your hand or your arm or something and you were bleeding would you go find your kids and put that bloody hand or arm on your children would you vomit on your children would you sneeze in their faces so they would get sick probably not if anything you're going to do what you need to do to take care of yourself and you're going to make sure your children are not near what's happening inside of you but when we don't take care of our trauma as mothers as wives as women in general, we are then saying, I'm okay with whoever else come around me getting some of this. Girl, that's so deep. Yes. You, can't, you just can't do it. It has to be, a. we really have to look at, even if it makes more sense for us, you know, as like mental health professionals, we like, yeah, address the trauma. But for those who just can't fathom, like, what's the big deal it happened when I was 10? What's the big deal it happened before I was born? No address it it's as serious as a physical illness yep exactly it's not more serious yep exactly exactly so, so I'm, off, I'm off my, my soapbox no, you're fine. I competed about that. you're all right so so with that though like how did therapy for you and just dealing with the trauma impact your relationship with god um in the beginning when it was really hard for me to address this I really had to ask God, like, why, like, why you let some stuff go down like that? Like, why you even let that hit me upside the head that way? And um, so for a while, we don't like to say this, but like, I was frustrated with God because I felt like, God, I didn't deserve that. Like, I didn't deserve to be born into a family that had these issues. I didn't deserve to get my heart broke. I didn't deserve to, you know, be treated this way or I don't deserve the burden of, you know, rejection and abandonment. So initially, I was very upset with God. And then I learned the difference between God's will and the will of people. 
And when I learned that, I realized that it was never in God's will for me to be rejected by my father. It was never in God's will for me to feel abandoned, neglected, worthless. It was never in his will for me to be depressed and anxious. But because people chose to make certain choices, choices come with consequences or consequences come with choices. So it made me realize a little bit of how God works. Like I was putting so much blame on him that I wasn't able to get healed. But once I realized that like people had choices and God loves me, even with all this mess all over me, it made me love him better. And when I was able to understand that about God, I was able to carry my father differently. So knowing and understanding my dad's trauma and what he's been through, it's not to make excuses, but I now realize that my dad, even at me being 30, he's still trying to learn how to be a dad of an adult child. So my expectations are different. Um, I put boundaries in place and I gave him grace. And you also understood like he didn't have the capacity. Exactly. He didn't know. He really didn't know. So we build up expectations on some mm-hmm. on someone that has the doesn't have the capacity it's almost like an empty water jug you're expecting to get water out of it and the more you sit there and try to hold it and pour you're getting mad at the water's not pouring out but it's literally empty it doesn't have any capacity to pour out into you or pour out into the cup for you to get something so that's good when i got to that place of understanding that god was not punishing me and really understanding like so we pray like god father god god the father but like if you have daddy issues it's really hard to understand god as a father you don't trust your natural dad like my natural father didn't show up for me my dad who can see me hold me touch me i'm his flesh and blood he ain't really rocking with me so you want me to believe that there is a father in heaven with a whole bunch of kids that really care about what i'm going through Mm, yeah. it's kind of hard to believe that so once I got over that hump or whatever I started really having a loving relationship as God is my father I was allowing him to show up for me that's when I believe the shift happened and my healing started to take place yeah 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 and so describe how you built your relationship with God throughout that process so for me I really um people don't really know this but when I was younger I used to do like praise dance in church but like when you get older it's like not as cool or whatever so what i would do is at home um because i don't sing very well but i would like do praise dance in my even in my car sometimes you know if i was sitting there if i got to a stoplight or whatever i started praise dancing again not for church not for nobody but honestly with god just do worship music and um from me going back to praise dancing that's what i knew that's you know i, I would put what the basis off of i knew after that, I would start by reading like the Bible app because it would have like daily scriptures. And even if it wasn't nothing but that one scripture, I'm like, all right, I, I fed myself something, you know, and I lived off of that alone for a while, just worship music and the Bible app. But then I met like my sisters at the 2019 Find Your Voice Academy retreat. Mm-hmm. And I saw like so many different levels of relationship with God. I realized that reading the Bible didn't have to look so complex. So honestly, Rosalind, like when you also, y'all, Rosalind gifted me with like my big girl Bible. Oh, yeah. big girl Bible. Okay. It breaks down the word for me. Um, but when I connected with you ladies, Rosalind, it was like um, 
I began to see what fellowship looks like. Mm-hmm. And I began to see how individualized your relationship with God looked like. And I stopped disqualifying myself. So that's when I honestly started reading my word more. And I started keeping a prayer journal because I like to write. Mm-hmm. And now that's how I have my relationship. Like the same way I'm sitting here talking to you. I talk to God the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I keep yeah. a journal. And also too, fellowship accelerates our relationship with God. Yeah. I believe it does just in the sense of when you, it's very true. When you like have community, you have the body, you're able to see God in a different way because Mm -hmm. you're able to actually have a physical form of love and physical um, companionship and communication and um, transparency that only can come from the Lord. Good companionship. You know what I'm saying? They only can come from God. So also, I think seeing y'all like women who look like me, women who are in my, are my peers have this level of relationship with God that like only I had saw that I've only had seen that in women who are way older than me. So I was disqualifying myself like, because I'm like, oh, you ain't even been saved that long. You can't, you can't do this. You can't do that. So when he gave me like a group of his, uh, most phenomenal daughters, it was like, girl, jump in, like the water's fine type thing. So that's what really, I feel like um, the retreat was strategically put together to really give me that community that I needed to help not push me, get closer to God, but keep me accountable. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm falling short, like, yeah, we can talk as sisters, but then it's like, well, when the last time you prayed, let's fast about yeah. it. When's the last time you're your word? So yes. community points me back to God. So Yeah. 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 Well, that, that's all I really want to talk about today. So is there anything else you want to share? Any Tell the people where they can find you. Okay, so I have a website. Y'all can go to www.mysistersglow. No W, so that's my sisters with an S, G-L-O.org. You can find me there. I'm also on Instagram. My personal Instagram is at E underscore Mace, M-A-S-E. And I have a page for my sister's glow that's at my sister's glow as well. So I feel like all the play. I'm trying to think of all the social media. Any, any, uh, anything they need to do if they're interested in coaching? Yeah. So if you're interested in coaching, there's a form on my website under the wife life coaching um, tab. You can fill that form out and I um, get back to them by um, email or phone, whatever works for you. And um, just be kind of staying up with my website and my social media. I always post stuff on the social media about what I'll be doing when I'm offering webinars and group coaching. So, um, or you can always DM me, like I answer my Instagram. Yeah. No pressure. And Elisha is good, y'all. Seriously. She walked this walk and she talked to talk. A little bit, y'all. No, I really did though. Humbly, I say that. <laughs>